0: I don't want to cut into the conversations, but um, Christmas worship music is so powerful, so amazing. Um, Well, good morning again. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we have 303 hours till Christmas, plenty of time. Plenty of time to do all the things we need to do. Pastor Nick, you can catch up on all your Hallmark Christmas movies because I know that's one of your traditions. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we have plenty of time to do all those things. Um, by the way, I'm Tammy Meaders, and I want to just take a moment to welcome you. And to welcome those who are new to New City, we want to thank you so much for being here. We are so glad that you're here, and we'd love the chance to get to know you. And so if you have time this morning to drop by Connection Point, it's in the middle of the courtyard, say hello, we have a gift to give you, and we would love to be uh, start connecting with you. If you don't have time this morning, no worries you can go to our website and fill out the Connect form there at newcity.us connect. Now, I don't know what your Christmas traditions are. We keep it pretty simple in the Meadows household. There are two things that are non-negotiable. One is putting up a Christmas tree. We do that every year. Everybody does that. I'm kidding. We're going to do that later this week. And the second thing... <laughs> I'm not kidding. And the second thing is we never neglect to come to the Christmas Eve service. It is such a powerful experience. It's so wonderful. It's just one of the the things that we look forward to every year. So I just want to remind you that we're going to be doing that this year at 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. The online Christmas Eve service will be at 6 o'clock. So we hope you'll all be here and even bring a friend. Uh, Ladies, I want to remind you really quickly the Christmas pop-up Party is this wednesday night there's still time to come you can find out information about that on the events page and we had the christmas promise shop we had it uh at urban uh urban promise east and urban promise west thank you so much for all of your donations i just wanted to let you guys know that both of the christmas promise shops went wonderfully over 120 families left very happy and very grateful. So want to thank you for that. And we do thank you guys a lot. We thank you for your partnership in the way that you help these projects um, happen and also in the way that you give to New City. And so we're partnering together with God to see gospel renewal brought to our city and world. So if you wanna give today, you can do that easily, newcity.us slash give, or we have boxes in the east and main lobbies. And lastly, last week, Pastor Travis talked about our Christmas serve offering. Every year we have a Christmas serve offering. This year, I want to let you know about the organization who will be receiving that offering. It's Missionary Athletes International. And specifically, we're giving to the work that they're doing with Afghan refugees and their displacement. And so you can give to that offering at, at newcity.us give. But we have a video that we're about to watch that will give us more information about this organization doing wonderful work with Afghan refugees. And I want to ask you guys to pray for us and with us as we seek God's voice on what he wants New City to do as those refugees come to the city of Charlotte. So be praying with us there and let's let's learn more about MAI.
1: Hey, welcome New City. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm privilege to have Rick McKinley with us this morning from Missionary Athletes International to continue talking with us about this subject of displacement. We've made this commitment this year to focus on how we as the church come alongside those who have been displaced. We think about the over 20,000 people here in the Charlotte area who have, are facing eviction because of ongoing COVID concerns and precautions that are happening there. But the other side of that, that we've talked a little bit about has been this crisis that's been happened in Afghanistan, which has brought uh, thousands, over 55,000 refugees and more coming into the state. So Rick's here to tell us a little bit about his experience with that. So Rick, thanks for being here this morning. Um, just real quick, what is MAI and what do you do with
2: them? Sure. Yeah, MAI is a, a nonprofit soccer ministry. Our headquarters is based here in Charlotte, and we're the umbrella organization, um, probably more known in this area by the Charlotte Eagles.
1: Right. And what are you currently doing with MAI?
2: My role with MAI is to serve as the director of our international tours. Yeah, great. So,
1: well, obviously, the, the idea of international tours has been changed with the idea of a pandemic, but we, we know that the crisis that happened in Afghanistan meant the world came here. Um, and as I said, we've, we've known that over 55,000 Afghan refugees have fled and have been dispersed throughout multiple military bases here in the United States, one of which being uh, Fort Pickett up in Virginia, a place you've spent many weeks in. You're gracious enough to invite me up a few weeks ago. I'm hoping to go again. Um, tell us a little bit about what's been going on at Fort Pickett and your ministry up there.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, Travis, it was great having you. You did a great job up there. Um, yeah, we, we found out about this opportunity, uh, early September through one of our ministry partners from the Middle East. They contacted us and said there was an opportunity to go up there and run soccer programming. And we had no idea what that was going to look like. Um, we somebody said we were building the ship as we were sailing uh, because we found out about it, drove up there uh, just after Labor Day and the, a few days later we had a, a group assembled to go up and to go for it. There was an open door to go up and to work with people who had been displaced, people who were struggling with trauma that they'd experienced yeah. and they asked that a group come and just provide activity
1: i'd just be curious to hear from you like you spent over i think seven weeks up there doing work and i'm sure you've got multiple stories but was there something for you that just impacted you more than anything or a story perhaps that just really grabbed your heart
2: the first time i went we went out on the field with the volunteer coordinator and her seven children who she had there at the base and we just played simple games with the kids and i would say yeah one of the most moving things that happened was that very first time and i was hooked and that was um, we passed out balloons to the kids, blown up balloons. And I was shocked at the, the actual joy that I saw in kids' faces getting a balloon. And, and, it, and it really blew me away. I mean, it, um, I was um, at that point said, yeah, whatever it takes, we're gonna come back and we're gonna, we're gonna serve these people. You know, my hope is, and I've talked with pastors in a number of different cities, that, that the church can really get involved, prayerfully involved in however God leads them and what's gonna happen beyond the time they leave Fort Pickett. Because um, I just received word yesterday that the bases are gonna start being emptied out. There are eight bases around the U.S. Um, Fort Pickett was the only one that allowed volunteers like our groups to go in. And our understanding is it's the only it was the only base that actually had not had a riot within the base yeah, as well, um, and so, you know, the hope is that God will take the seeds that have been planted, and will continue, you know, to do to do that work after they leave the military bases.
3: Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good to see all of you. It's always fun to be here with you. My name is Nick Schreiber. I'm, I'm the care pastor here at New City, and if you're uh, watching online at New City Live, thank you so much for, for joining us from wherever you're watching today. Um, as many of you know and you see on our screens, we're, we're in a Christmas series that we're calling The Angel Did Say where we're looking at um, the four angelic announcements that, that are given through the Christmas narrative. And today we'll be looking at the angel Gabriel's announcement and appearance uh, to, to Mary in Luke chapter 1. I love the Christmas season. It's my favorite season by far of any, um, and it's fun to get to walk uh, through the Christmas season and through Advent with all of you and as a church. And, I'm, and it's so cool to hear about the opportunity that God has given us uh, to partner uh, with our, our, our friends from, from Afghanistan, and, and I do, um, I would encourage all of us to be uh, considering and praying into uh, giving to our Christmas serve offering. I think it's an amazing opportunity that God's giving us as a church It's always a privilege to to get to open up God's Word, to preach it, Um, but before we go any further, would you pray with me and let's ask uh, ask for God's help in this moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to be here today, for your grace, for your goodness to us. God, may we not take for granted um, life, uh, um, your love, the people you've placed around us. We pray for those who are hurting or displaced even in, even because of the storms that have, have gone through um, recently, some different states, and we just lift them up. We pray for these moments now for us that you would draw us once again to your, uh, your goodness and your, and your love for us. We thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, to, to begin this morning I want you to picture something with me, I want you to picture an environment where you're one among thousands, all right? So picture, picture a sporting event, a stadium filled, or picture an airport terminal, you know, many people are flying once again, and you can picture the terminal, many people moving in many directions, heading to their gates, trying to catch their flights. Or you can simply picture shopping at Costco on the weekends, which is, which is pretty crazy. Um, in those environments, do you ever find yourself pausing? and just watching all the activity. Uh, Any people watchers in here? Uh, All right, thank you for being honest. Um, Look, I I really enjoy people watching. Now I promise I'm not a stalker. Um, What I like to say is I'm just a contemplative observer, a contemplative observer. Uh, But in those environments where you're one among thousands and you imagine just looking around or even zooming out, so again you're contemplative here. In those moments, one can feel so small. You could feel so missed or just, just like one more in a system. And people could be so close. They could be moving all around. One could even be having that moment where they're just intensely struggling through something and no one even notices. People just keep moving right along. And one could wonder, is anyone paying attention? Does anyone even see me? Those two questions are striking, aren't they? Is, is anyone paying attention? Does anyone even see me? And remember from last week how we said that these four Christmas narratives, these four angelic announcements, as we dig deeper into them, they address core fears and anxieties or at times even doubts. And, and, and we'll talk about existential questions at the core of our hearts. Is anyone paying attention? Does anyone see me? And sometimes those, those two questions, they even have a moral root to them. I'm not good enough, or I'm not significant enough, and so no one even really needs or even wants to see me. No one really even needs or wants to pay attention to me. Now, I can relate, I can relate to these fears, these thoughts, these doubts, and I I think Mary can too. You know, at Christmas time and through each of these, these angelic announcements that we'll see and look at specifically through this series, we're reminded and encouraged that amidst all of it. There's this one small recurring phrase that weaves its way through these stories, and it's this. Do you guys remember it from last week? Fear not. Don't be afraid. So whatever your circumstances, however bleak you or I may feel, or things really may be, the very nature of the Christmas season reminds us that we have hope. We do not need to be afraid. And we see in each of these Christmas narratives, through these angelic announcements, them speaking directly to core fears that we all have, these core fears that could be summarized like this. We fear that our prayers or our dreams, our desires have not and will not be heard, and we, we, we talked about that last week. We could fear that we're not good enough and God will not see us and we're going to hone in there today. We could fear that God's not working, or we fear that there's nothing and no one good coming for us. And God. And His goodness enters into each of them, addressing and responding to them and confirming to us that God is with us, and we do not need to be afraid. And we're going to see that as we look at the story of Mary today. So if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I'd love for you to start turning to Luke chapter 1 or pulling it up on your phone or through the sermon notes on the app. And I'd love it if we would all just stand as we read from God's Word this morning. Luke chapter 1. Verse 26 through 38, here's the word of the Lord to us today. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the Word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This concludes the reading of God's Word. You you can be seated. Thank you. What a, what a passage. In walking through the passage, you could easily break it down into three parts. You have Mary's story, and so you, here's this young woman, Mary. You have Mary's surprise, angel shows up. And then you have Mary's amazing act of surrender and faith. Think about Mary. Mary's probably the most famous woman in history, don't you think? Would you agree with that? It's hard. I was, it's hard to think of any other woman that would top her, but there's something remarkable about her place in the story and about her faith. Even her aunt Elizabeth, later in the chapter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, God has blessed you above all women and declares her the mother of my Lord. Even Mary herself, later in the chapter in her song, acknowledges, and from now on all generations will call me Blessed. And, and here we are singing or reading about her. Let's dig into her story a little bit more. Now, from the passage, what we learn about Mary is this. We learn that she's from Nazareth. You see that in verse 26? which is a village, a village in Galilee. So she lives in a northern region of Israel. I brought a map along so you can see. It's just above Samaria. So she's far from Jerusalem, far from Bethlehem. And on the straight line, it's about 65, 65 miles that separate Nazareth from Jerusalem. If you were traveling there, it would probably be somewhere between 85 and 100 miles of a journey, depending on what route you went. And did you know that the Jews in Judah looked down on the Jews in Galilee because of their closer contact with the Gentiles there? And Nazareth in particular was a very humble and poor village, only about four to five hundred people, definitely not a location of significance. And actually, it was a scoffed-out town. It was despised. It was considered unclean. After all, can anything good come from Nazareth, as they say? We also learn that Mary is a virgin— She's not married yet, but is engaged and betrothed to a man named Joseph, who we learn from later passages, is a carpenter by trade. But Mary's probably a teenager, probably somewhere between 13 and 20, which is, just just think about that, how young. But you can see also from this passage that Mary is is a young woman of faith. We see that from her response in verse 38. You see that as you read her song later in the chapter, but with all things considered, she was probably a rather ordinary Jewish young lady, simply raised to know and follow and obey the customs of the Jewish faith. But I want you to notice something about the passage. If you look at the whole chapter as a whole, the passage is wanting us to parallel the two birth announcements found in Luke chapter 1. The announcement that Gabriel gives to Zechariah, and now the announcement that, that the angel Gabriel gives to Mary. And it's—and it's—I think it's intentionally meant to be connected. Um, and they're meant to be contrasted. Not that one necessarily is supposed to be bad and the other good, but God, what He's trying to do is He wants to show us that He is no respecter of titles, and He also wants us to see that the Lord is mindful of those whom the, the world would otherwise not even notice. So if you look cl- closer at the chapter, what you'll see is you have one birth announcement where the person has this amazing resume. He's a priest. Zechariah walks the halls of the temple, he's righteous, there's an entire verse, verse 6 is dedicated to his moral standing, and the other is a young girl from an obscure and disdained village. One is from a small town, the other is from this epicenter of Jewish life. One's poor, the other walks the halls with the elite. One's a young woman, and if you remember, it was the men who held positions of influence and power in the, in the culture, not, not the women. So you take all this, and all things considered, one lives on the periphery or on the margins of society, and one right in the center of it all. And what we have here is you have this humble story of Mary being so pronounced through this interplay in the passage that it makes it that much more amazing, maybe even shocking to some of us, that the Lord chooses Mary to be the mother of our Lord. You know, three words that kept coming up in my thoughts this week were this, obscure, mundane and inconsequential. If you try to imagine her scenario, and I would say in many respects, um, Mary's is simply navigating through the typical seasons and customs of life as the other hundreds of people are in her village. But she's one among hundreds. Nothing special could have easily been looked past. I found myself this week uh, thinking about the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Um, you know, that, that, that iconic Christmas movie and that even more iconic image, that plain tree made fun of, why would anyone want that? You know, just a couple weeks ago when I was with my family picking out our tree, I had this moment where I saw a kind of a dainty, ugly tree, and I kind of brought my kids over and I said, hey, would that, would that tree work? We should get that one. And they're like, oh no, that is too small. <laughs> that, that would not work. And yet God can take the small. He can take the mundane and make it marvelous, weaving together his purposes. And when he does that, he he steps in often to these moments because he wants us to see something about him. He wants us to know something about him. He wants us to know that God can use the ordinary, the mundane, to bring about something marvelous. So you have this young Mary, and then the messenger arrives. Gabriel appears to her and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine this scene? I wonder how some of us would react if we saw an angel. And Mary's confused, she's disturbed, she's trying to figure it all out, what is going on? And then the angel says those famous, those famous words, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then he begins to proclaim to her his announcement. This announcement of all announcements, this arrival of the Messiah, whom will be conceived in, in her, whom she will bear, talk about daunting. And, and, and it's in this, mi- this moment that the angel proclaims to her this, this message. And what I'd like to do in these, these last few minutes I have is I want to focus on what the angel did say to her, because I think it can be broken down into three things he says, or three proclamations that he makes to her and subsequently to us. First, Gabriel gives her a proclamation of God's presence— I'm not sure if you saw that simple and yet profound phrase there uh, at the beginning where the angel greets her, the Lord is with you. We can move right on by it because it kind of does seem like it's just a part of the greeting, and yet I think it's a profound intentional statement that harkens her back to a truth that's been central to the Jewish people for, for centuries, and which I think will also serve to anchor her faith in the days ahead. The Lord is with you. You remember Joshua chapter 1, verse 9? Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember Gideon in Judges chapter 6. He's in a pit. He's scared. The Lord appears to Gideon and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. This is not just a friendly greeting to Mary. It's a statement of God's presence being with Mary. Do you think that statement is transformative? course think about think about it in your life the lord is with you it infuses confidence into us and so when mary or when we feel extended beyond what we think we can bear we hear those sweet words the lord's with you you keep moving so that's the first proclamation the second is this gabriel gives her a proclamation of god's promises kept And you see this in Gabriel's description of her, of who her child will be. Namely, he will be the long-awaited Messiah. And in verses 32 through 33, you see, you see the angel give her this five-fold description of her child, Jesus. And you see her, uh, him say, he will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, or namely the Son of God. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. And these references pull us back to so many redemptive promises in the Old Testament, but namely to the Lord's covenant that he made to David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, a thousand years earlier, where one from his line will sit on the throne and he will rule and reign forever. Or it harkens us back to Daniel, chapter 7. We studied this as a church just a couple weeks ago, 500 years earlier, where he says to Daniel, hey, there'll be one like a son of man who will be given an everlasting kingdom. I mean, this is incredible. And the angel is proclaiming to Mary that she will be the mother of the Messiah. The Lord has not forgotten, and he begins to describe and identify the significance of her child to her. The Lord's remembered his promises. He's faithful. He's faithful. And the one who will be conceived in her will be the one who we've all been waiting for. Now, naturally, Mary does have some questions. How can this happen? How will this work exactly? I know enough about where babies come from to know that it doesn't usually work this way. I'm a virgin. I haven't been with a man yet. Now, I will say this in this question. This is not a, it's not a question or statement of unbelief. Rather, it's a statement of curiosity, of of wonder as to the how. It's almost like he's saying, yes, okay, I believe, but I don't understand how it's going to happen. And Gabriel is prepared with an explanation. And you see it in verse 35 where he replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to, to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. I love this, and this is also, this also gives us Gabriel's third proclamation to Mary. Gabriel proclaims to her a proclamation of God's power. Do you see that laced through his explanation? He says, how will this, how will this happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So this remarkable thing will happen in the only way that it can through a supernatural, powerful act of God where Jesus will be conceived in her through a miraculous conception. And yes, there's mystery life through it all, of course, but it has to happen this way. It's the only way to provide a Savior who will be fully human, born of you, Mary, and fully God, born of the Holy Spirit, and as a result, He will be holy The only unique one qualified to redeem us from our sins. But it's done through the Lord's power. Certainly, such a miracle is not too hard for God. And to give you proof, Mary, your Aunt Elizabeth, who used to be known as Baron, is now a child. And that miracle was from me. For the word of God will never fail. And that last phrase, it's a man, it's a powerful phrase but it can actually be more accurately translated this, for nothing is impossible with God, power. Talk about a summary statement for Christmas. For nothing is impossible with God. So the Ga- so Gabriel proclaims to Mary God's presence, God's promises kept, and God's power. Think about what that would do for us if we recall those as we walk through life. God's presence, God's promises kept, and God's power and Mary in her response, she responds with such faith and surrender and she says in verse 30, I am the Lord's servant, may everything you've said about me come true. What an example of faith and surrender where she's surrendering herself to God as, as a willing servant, knowing that this would change everything in her story and would certainly come with ridicule and struggle. And it's, it's, it's inspirational and it's meant to be, it, it should be to us. Like, God, may I, may I have faith and dependence upon you as Mary did, where, she's, where I'm willing to place your will above my own. You know, Mary, the most famous woman in history, becomes so because of two things. Because of God's grace and because of her faith. Did you notice at, in the beginning of the passage, when Gabriel greets Mary, he identifies her as one who is highly favored And as one who has found favor with God. Two times the word favor is used. And that word favor is the same word in the Greek that means grace. Greetings, you who are highly graced, for you have found grace with God. Grace or favor is a free, undeserved, unmerited gift. And and, and this story makes clear that all of this is framed in the grace of God. So why did God choose Mary? Mary. It was God's grace, His plan, His love. But there was nothing unique about her that such things should happen. Yes, she was a faithful young lady, but she was flawed and weak and, and ordinary, as, as we all are, and it was God's grace, not her character, that made her God's choice. And this is true for us. Why does God choose or love any of us? It's not because of our good works, good skills, good looks, power. It's because of His grace, because of His plan, because of His, His, His love. Scripture declares that all who belong to Him do so only because of His glorious grace which He has so lavishly poured out on us, Ephesians chapter 1. And Mary knows this and she feels this grace. Who am I, Lord? I, I'm so small, so ordinary, easily looked past. I'm just one among so many and yet... Mary's story testifies that God sees her. God fixes his gaze upon her. And this story testifies to you and to me as well that God sees you. God sees me. You know, you may be sitting in here, you may be watching online, feeling so alone. So insignificant. Like, you know, there's nothing good. I'm not good enough to garner anyone's attention. But I want you to know that Man, does this passage show us that not only is he paying attention and is he intimately aware, because he steps into history, the supernatural breaks in the natural, he's, he's planning it all out, but it also he's, he's fixing his gaze on you and I specifically. God loves you. He cares for you. He sees you. So those fears of does he see me, does he even want to see me, they're addressed and they're responded to here in Mary's story. And how do I know that this is on the forefront of Mary's heart? Because because if you look at her song later in the chapter, look at verse 46. Mary sings this song and it's in the passage. She responds, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Here's a phrase, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, And from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy. I didn't deserve it, didn't earn it. I deserved otherwise. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. He took notice. And those fears and those doubts, those anxieties, they're all addressed and they're expelled with this amazing truth that our God is a God who sees It actually makes us think back to Genesis 16 with Hagar in the wilderness where she's put out there on her own and the Lord responds. And she names God, she gives this label to God, El Roy, the God who sees. So That's our bottom line today. You look at the story of Mary, it's fear not, for God sees you. So the next time you're doing some contemplative observing, (laughs) Um, I think Mary was a contemplative, (laughs) you know, pondering all these things in her heart. But the next time you're in that moment where you're just like, man, there's so much stuff, why would God even want to pay attention to me? You look around and in His infiniteness, He sees you. He cares about you. And may the story of Mary and the reality of God's fixed gaze on each of us, may it move us to faith. May it move us to trust and to worship because that's what experiencing God's grace does. It moves us to faith. It moves us to trust. It moves us to worship. And may we be a people that do that today. So fear not, for God sees you. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Thank you for this truth. Thank you for choosing an ordinary person like Mary. God, not only does this, is a way that you provided our, uh, the line through Jesus and our salvation, but God, you show us that you, you have a way of taking the weak and, and weaving through your purposes. We love you. Help us to have that, that joy, that faith today. And may we be reminded that you care, you are intimately involved, and you see us. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Thanks again, everybody, for coming and being here today. Um, just a few, a few uh, more announcements. There is student night tonight. Um, ladies, I do hope that you are able to go on Wednesday to the pop-up Christmas party. I think it'll be awesome. And one more thing I wanted to, to, to let you know about. Uh, we would love to launch a care team here, here at South Park. Um, and but we need care volunteers to, 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 get, it, to get it to work. Um, and so a care volunteer is just anybody who would just raise their hand and say, I have a heart, I have a passion to care for those within our church family, especially those who are maybe hurting or going through a crisis. Um, wouldn't it be amazing to see the people, a community where the people of God are mobilized to pray for those who are sick, um, who are, are able to encourage those who are hurting, who are able to help with a need when somebody has it, um, and, so, and so if that at all interests you, um, I'm gonna be leading just a short 10-minute interest meeting right over here in the West foyer, right here after the service. And really, I'm just gonna get names, phone numbers, and get the ball rolling, share a little bit more. But if that at all interests you, I'd love to have you be a part of, of that. So anyway, hey, thank you. Hey, if you could extend your hands for this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City. Thanks.